Brett the Hitman Hart, excellence of execution. You might have seen me on Monday Night Raw, introducing one of the great new champions of our time. As long as he doesn't injure himself while he's celebrating. Typical WWE fashion, gets injured, trying to celebrate his way out. Anyway, enough about Sami Zayn. I'm here talking about the New Blood Rising podcast. It's available now to the OSW Podcast Network, courtesy of PileDriverWrestling.net. It's a great place to go to listen to some other podcasts, such as the OSW Review, the Attitude Era Podcast, and of course, the New Generation Podcast. That was my era. The best there is. That was my era. I was the excellence of execution. I carried that company. Anyway, I want you guys to enjoy the show, of course. Be sure to check it out at New Blood Pod on the Twitter. Until then, enjoy the show. Rising podcast back with a little bonus episode. We talked about last time on on Super Bowl 2000. We need to talk about this roster. It's all over the place. It's kind of in flux. It is definitely a a cluster of of good times coming to go. Got people coming in, people going out. You know, it's uh it's an interesting time period because we're right on the verge of when our good old buddy's about to come back and take over things, and everything will get reset anyway. But nevertheless, where we're at now, let's kind of get into it. Um, well, do we need to, do, we, is it, is it, do I need to reintroduce? I'm William Rankin, of course. I've got Jason Keesler, the Charlie Stabile, the great one, the great Jason Keesler. So now here. he's the Charlie Stabile. The fuck's taking my gimmick, oh, right, man? Right, right. You're, you're, you're the Jason Keesler. I'm the, yeah. Uh, you're, uh-huh. You got punctuation. I don't know. I was the man with the one-liners or the... Uh, what? Yeah. Uh, you, you, you've said a couple things about that. That's me. right. It's know. fun. <laughs> Intros are great. <laughs> anyway, you're like... Um, as we're talking about, like this really kind of gets back to sold out. Like one of the big ones to talk about. We're going to talk about first departing people, people mm-hmm. that leave are leaving the rosters here and everything. Um, the first thing I talk about is the radicals, mm-hmm. or who they That's would be. The most the important WWE. one, the yeah. re- most of the revolution, right? Pretty much killed off the entire WCW stable, <laughs> and re- got reinvented in WWF with a completely uh, better stable. Yes, and with a better it's funny, It was a very similar stable in a it lot of ways. Very similar. It just took away all the dumb stuff. I, I didn't remember the revolution, and I started watching you know these these pay per views, and I see the right. revolution. I'm like, right, it's just like the radicals. So for, only not as good. <laughs> way lamer. So for this time period, so we saw those core guys: Benoit, mm-hmm. Saturn. Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, all those guys are out. Along That's with them, the Ultimate Survivor Series team really <laughs> is. On top of that, Shane Douglas also out. Not, <laughs> not, not so important. No, not, not because we never got to see him wrestle. Exactly, we never got to see him wrestle. We just got to see him be. Really I've annoying. seen him wrestle. Well, I, <laughs> Shane Douglas, mid nineties, good wrestler. Are we talking about better promo Shane Douglas? Never like Shane Douglas, the first ECW champion. That yes. Shane Douglas. Okay. Okay. Oh. 
also uh, Conan. Conan has also departed. Mm. So we've, I mean, like, so, we've so there go the filthy animals. Because Rey Mysterio is still injured, so the entire like two stables of basically eliminated. Your whole mid card is gone. Yeah, yep. in a lot of ways. So beyond that, also the biggest departure, Scott Hall. Nope. That's a As huge name. Week? Even I, I don't I don't necessarily put it higher in the radicals, but if you're talking about just impact I guys. Would. In terms of draw yeah. and name recognition, mm-hmm. uh, mainly due to Razor Ramon. I'm right. S- I'm sorry. I, I much like him more when he's Razor Ramon. Sure. Yeah. And he's in the Hall of Fame as that for a reason. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Kevin Nash goes in as Kevin Nash. Scott Hall goes in as Razor Ramon. I don't I don't agree with that. Yeah. Whatever. I, yeah. But um, it was, it was, it's funny because, like, in the run of the podcast thus far, like, in the Russo kind of era, Scott Hall was not a... Even though he had titles, was not a massive player. I remember he made an event at a pay-per-view during the better times of WCW with Sting. Uncensored, uh, 98. Uncensored. Yes. Yep. I remember that thing. Could, could Scott Hall win this title? No. But still, like it was cool that, that they switched it up a little bit yeah. uh, for that. Good finish. He reversed the outsider's edge into the Scorpion Death Drop. That's how you finish it. Perfect. I mean, that's... I mean it was a perfect finish for yep. it. So, um, it... And, and what does remember, Scott Hall go to do? Like, you want to talk about this? Because this is the, very, it, it very is little known. Yeah, I, he ends up in ECW. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'll be honest. Like, beyond that and beyond the circumstances that surround him getting into a world title match, I don't know much what he does. Scott Hall wins the ECW world title. Right. And, and, the, and there's a short little storyline that has to deal with the fact that Scott Hall's never won a world title. ECW was all over this. And I was huge into this. However, uh, this all this shit with Scott Hall, I don't think, was on television. Like he won the world title, I think on Hardcore TV. He didn't win it on TNN. There one wow. opportunity to, to really break it out because I, I remember being so excited for this because I thought Scott Hall is a guy who could actually get ECW some recognition mm-hmm. and it's a big name. It's yeah. like something Vince Russo used to say, like, well, "How would you turn around TNA? You know, what 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 would be your number one thing?" And he would always say, "Randy Orton. If I could sign Randy Orton, then that would be it. You know, maybe." But Scott Hall and ECW, like, this is a big deal. But it's not counted. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember what happens with Scott Hall. Probably something having to do with the old Jack. But uh, they don't count his ECW World Title reign at all. As like, I didn't even know that until that. You moment. didn't know that? Yeah, it was. Uh, I remember Mike Mooneyham was writing about it. Yeah. like for about a week. Um, it was very exciting. But I, I couldn't name you one match. I couldn't even tell you who he beat for that title. I don't remember. Because by that point in time, it felt like TNN and like everyone, the world had given up on ECW. ECW, like still, the, ECW still had a, a year left. I think the last point of relevancy is right around this time. It was when Taz, a WWF guy, wrestles Mike Awesome, who was soon to be a WCW guy, yep. in an ECW match. ECW, uh, wow. For that was belt. huge. Yeah. And then, of course, we get Taz with the ECW title fighting Triple H on SmackDown. Just uh, the height of his career. The height. Oh, man, this was huge. This should have been on pay-per-view. Yeah. What does Triple H do? <laughs> Where's my shovel? <laughs> <laughs> so, to kind of close it off on... Where do you put Scott Hall as, like, you know, in the ca- in the ultimate canon... Of professional like, wrestling? Yeah, I, and maybe more specifically WCW. Because mm. I, I, the reason I ask that is... I think you can make an argument he is one of the most valuable members of what makes WCW what it is in this era. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I would I mean being that he is part of the founding members of the NWO, he is an enormous enormous part to WCW's like late 90s success. Sure. And it's all off of his WWF work. Right, every bit of it. I mean that's it is. the problem. It, uh, 
when Scott Hall was Razor Ramon, I mean, my God, the coolest character. Uh, the first Raw I ever remember seeing was when he lost to the One Two Three Kid. Right. And I was instantly into that storyline. Uh, it's just, I, I love, I love Scott Hall, but I love him as Razor Ramon. It's the same thing with Kevin Nash. I love him as Diesel. So let's take away, like, because we know at some point everybody comes back to WWE. All right, so we all know everybody does. But if we take that out, the whole, like, even the third WrestleMania 31, them all appearing together, do you think of Scott Hall as a WCW guy or a WWF guy? If you have, to, like, your first image that pops in your mind, is it him as WCW or is it WCW him and WWE? Are you saying Scott Hall or are you saying Razor Ramon? He said Scott I'm Hall. talking about the man. The man the behind man? the character. I think he had more of an impact in the grand scheme of things in WCW. Absolutely. Without Scott Hall, the NWO doesn't work. But then again, without any of those three guys, it doesn't work. But Scott Hall was a great talker. Yeah. Like, and and he, his promos were always fun. Um, and what's crazy is, like, that's the thing that's wild is we talk about him in the vein of being one of the most valuable WCW guys. But he's in arguably the best ladder match of all time in WWF. A sure. signature match for all of WrestleMania's. Right, I love the sequel. Yeah, they did. Um, they did do a great one. Not talked about a lot. But no, yes. it's not. Most people don't even know about it. It's really weird when they talk about like Shawn. Michaels. SummerSlam. They did. Yeah, that, SummerSlam. That same year? No, no, not the same year. The the following. Oh, that's right. Shawn Michaels was wearing those weird blue. I had that action figure from Jax. He's wearing the weird blue trunks or the blue tights. But um, now that uh, Scott Hall, he's in, he's in my top five of greatest wrestlers of all time that never won the world title. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's in there. I, I, one thing that we didn't realize at the time was just the knack this guy had for the business. Like he gave screen, he gave Sting the crow. Yeah, he gave the that's idea. True. He put it out he, there. Yeah, that's what Sting said. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Scott Hall gave him the idea for the Scorpion Death Drop. Did, didn't didn't Sting say I, I, that? I'm not sure, but I, I think could, I think Sting said that uh, Scorpion Death Drop was they, uh, Scott Hall's idea. Him and Nash, like they put DDP over when DDP, like that's what's kind of catapulted him that moment because they were like he was with us. Are you like, talking about when 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 DDP was wearing the NWO yeah. shirt? Yeah. that was huge. Yeah. Man, it was like they got DDP. Ah, oh, Jesus! And then right into a diamond cutter. One of the most memorable moments in all of night. It was a good build because DDP suddenly went on this run of. I mean, he was still like a shit face heel, and he started winning a but lot. DDP was the one guy mm-hmm. in, in a in a company full of guys who went to NWO. DDP never went. Not even yeah. when it was Wolfpack. Right. That's right. why DDP was my favorite. He was going to, but Macho ruined that. Oh, the Macho feud. <laughs> that, that, that got a got. Saw the Macho documentary. That got a great mention in the Macho Because it was Feud of the Year in 97, yeah, right? It was. So. PWI. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, beyond Scott Hall, a couple other, like, you know, this is a small one. We'd, we'd mentioned Midnight. You know, again, like, and I'm not I'm not sure exactly when, but Midnight from the Booker T. Harlem Heat thing, she is gone by this period of time. Nothing significant, but it is just oh, worth wow. mentioning because in the last two oh, pay-per-views, she's, like, been... The I guess the person that break up the melee mm-hmm. when Booker T's outnumbered. Also significant, Canyon. We saw him only once, and that was coming in on the... To save Kimberly from giving David Flair a blowjob. That's right. Very well said, sir. Save but remember, Do you guys remember kind of the gimmick Canyon had around that time? All I remember during this period was Jersey Triad. Yeah, that's what I remember. So post-Triad, like, when, when Canyon Action. came back, he was talking about how he had gone to Hollywood. And he had talked about how he was kind of... He kind of did what The Rock would do. Remember in 03? Like when, when Canyon was like the stuntman or the choreographer for the fights in Ready to Rumble? Like, what do you mean he went Hollywood? All right, so I'm not... What his exact role was or if it was just more gimmick. 
Canyon came back with the, kind of like an entourage and was acting like he was a Hollywood star. And he was bigger than like, you know... What was his reasoning for that? Um, the Rock th- had Scorpion King. Right. Which was huge. Right. I yeah. mean, I think... If I'm not mistaken, Canyon did work on stuff. And I think it wasn't a stunt. That was the ironic he was thing. The, yeah, he wasn't a star in the movie. But, uh... And this was clearly before Ready to Rumble had come out. We're not even at that point yet in the in the podcast where that comes out. But, nevertheless, he had... Um, this is, he had come out, and he, one of the signature things was he would take a champagne bottle and he'd break it over somebody. Cool. Ooh. So, I mean, it was... Those aren't cheap. No, no. If you get hit by that, it it hurts. you probably deserve it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the thing about Canyon was, it was fascinating. He was, like, was a great wrestler. Fantastic well, in-ring worker. Let's talk about the thing nobody talks about with Canyon. Mortis? No. 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 No, 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 no <laughs> one talks about that either. Chris Canyon was gay. Yeah. Chris Canyon... Um, was an openly gay wrestler in a time when it wasn't no it, no it wasn't acceptable Chris Canyon had a great idea uh, to be the first openly gay wrestler and have it as a character that he was gay yeah. and which got was shot down it got shot down and Canyon could kick ass and yeah. you could believe it and um, he was a good revenge character he was a great revenge character and the, <laughs> you remember he he and Revenge nailed it too. He went through a whole period where he was wearing DDP shirts. Yeah, you know, like he like there you can actually pick the costume of him wearing that DDP shirt. Canyon uh had had a real mind for the business and for where it could go. Very but smart. The, the the but the typical wrestling fan at the time and maybe even now, not I don't know, maybe not now because of the Chuck, well, Chuck and Billy thing. Well, have yeah. you, have but you guys have heard like with you know recently Billy Corgan now is a part of TNA yeah. and I remember and, and, him when he was in ECW. Well, he's got like his he's got an impressive agenda that he wants. He wants like transgender. He wants all these things that transgender? are transgender. Yeah, uh, we've barely accepted gay. He, I mean, it's it's an it's a great like it, an idea. It's an idea sure. like a great idea just in theory that you want to push these you want to push these progressive type of things. That's awesome. D- WWE has been handling Darren Young really well. Yeah, um, well, there was a gay reference to one of the the promos that mm-hmm. the, the rainbow. Time, my favorite color is rainbow. My favorite color is rainbow. Uh, it was awesome. It's so, but see, but that's that's as far it's as it goes. It's a step. But have you it seen at least it's a step? I think, right. I, what's his name? I, it's a guy that's in Ring of Honor right now, and I don't I don't haven't watched it enough, but he has walked to the ring by pretty boys dressed as peacocks. They have peacock feathers that fan him. And he will part of his intro is they turn into a chair. Like they just kind of sit and he sits on. And I can't remember what his name is, but I mean and and he's a great worker. And the the funny thing is to make a joke is uh, I watched Ring of Honor last week and he cuts to a promo for uh, prostate stuff, which is and it's not a gimmick, it's a legitimate here's what we're doing uh, kind of thing. But this, I mean, like, like I think wrestling is ready, but like we were talking about earlier, it's not that. It's just wrestling up to progress in wrestling. You have to go from <clears> face <throat> to heel to heel to face. And what can happen, what can backfire, is that gay guy can be a face all day, and everybody loves it. But the moment they go heel, that's when mainstream media is going to kick on and say, oh, because he's gay, he's bad. Right. It's, it's, yeah. You just, you, you wish that overall people overall would be so open minded to accept it and be able to run with it. The problem is, I, I don't even, I think the people who even run the show are not necessarily that open minded themselves, despite the campaigns, the mm-hmm. nice, cute publicity campaigns. Stand up that talk for about. WWE. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. at the. It, I'd love not, to. It's, it's not, it's not to Trust bash. Me, it's not to throw it under the bus. It's just like, you, know, you could do better, uh, right? And mm-hmm. but it, the Chuck and Billy thing, like right. watching—I uh, don't remember what it was. 
Oh yeah, I watched. Don't don't judge. I watched the Jerry Springer Too Hot for TV episode, okay. the first one, and they talk about like the most infamous uh, marriages kind of thing, and they talked about Chuck and Billy. That crowd is hot mm-hmm. and, and, in a good way yeah. for the Chuck and Billy marriage. And and then when you know when they find out that oh they're not getting married, then then the, the crowd's like oh like it was a great swerve like it was just innuendo like yeah. unintentional but the crowd was perfectly fine with it yeah. and like I love that sign that says like I always cry at weddings and I'm like for Chuck and Billy because yeah. this was a storyline that they tried to do it's weird that this is where this episode's going but they tried to do this uh, six years prior with Brian Christopher and Scotty Tuhati when they were too much right they had a gay storyline mm-hmm. they were gonna do a gay wedding on Raw and then WWE got cold feet right. But they pulled the trigger on Chuck and Billy, and I think I think everywhere. this was a better character or yeah. better set of characters to do this with. Sure. Love this, yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, that's where the kind of LGBT um, acceptance kind of got stalled yeah. for for a while. And now we got Darren Young, which were kind of like like primetime players aren't wrestling; I they're mean, just in backstage vignettes. What about? Oh. I mean, last year or when they were going to the Middle East, and they're going to be going to a country that That's is bad. blatantly against homosexuality. And Darren Young makes an amazing stand for his principles. And yeah, granted, they didn't make him go over there, but at the same time, like you know, where is where is the company to really be more at his back about stuff like that? Or, That's or, I mean, the, there's a lot more. I think there's a lot more. Um, like I said, it's weird. This is where this is going, but there's. A, I think there's a lot more gay or bisexual wrestlers than people realize. Um, Fan, Fandango, he, really? He's bisexual. Oh, yes. Uh, and you know, of course, Pat Patterson. Well, yeah. Well, if you remember, before Chris Canyon killed himself, it was shortly that right spoiler after. alert. Uh, spoiler so, alert. Which, by Chris the way, Canyon. that was a really bad fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. But the part of the, what like, what happened is, um, if you remember, Orlando Jordan debuted on. TNA. Right. With Orlando that, Jordan. That over-sexualized, almost cartoony version of a bisexual it's man. It's like a gay man in the in the 80s. I just remember who it, he feuded with like for a bit, like a big high-profile I match. Was, I remember Ultimate when Warrior. he fought Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. It's Ultimate Warrior's final match. And it's terrible. It yeah. happened in um, 2009. Spain. It's not even in the country. It's like in no. Spain, right? No. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Something but, like that. Yeah, and Warrior... Warrior limping to the he, ring. He doesn't he, run to the ring. No. It's bad, and it's Warrior's final match ever. Because I mean, what made that weird is because of all his politics. Because that's you know, what made it so weird was that Warrior was WWE likes to paint this rosy picture of Warrior. And that's now, fine. Which is I, so I, funny, I, yeah, because of the way they used to treat him. But I mean, you remember when you know Brokeback Mountain came out? Ultimate Warrior went on a rampage. He said Heath Ledger's on going. Heath Ledger. Yeah, said he's, he's going to hell. He's going to hell. Yep. Like holy shit. Yeah, but Jake Gyllenhaal's okay. Jake Gyllenhaal'll be all right. Uh, Warrior used to go on Fox News. Mm-hmm. And he was like, um, I don't want to say a commentator, but he had like the Sarah Palin job. He was a president. Well, he, he also he took that hardline he's against steroids. Steroids aren't bad. It's the people. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, and 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 I I got I I understood like to a degree if I'm it was just trying to find a devil's advocate kind of you know middle ground with steroids it. But aren't the really- way he came across was just like. You know, Benoit, Chris, um, Chris Benoit is an evil person. I eat steroids all the time, and I'm fine. I'm, people, everybody should eat steroids if they're a good person. It's like, what? Jesus. What the fuck does that mean? Like, No, that's true. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's true, and the, the, yeah. that's what he said. Yeah. Uh, Just during that period. <laughs> Went off topic a little. No, that's okay. Good, but, no, that's okay. But, but Canyon was such a significant guy. And, and, you know, um, it, it is interesting we didn't find out till later, but God damn, man, would would it, 
what it would be like if he was around to be able to, you know, if he nothing else, help cultivate like more middle, the, like middle card talent. Well, this is also an uh, interesting thing, like to play with uh, the cat or the fans. Um, you've got a guy that the fans actually really like. Hey, I love this guy. I've been following him for two years. It's great. I'm gay. I'm running with this gay character, and I'm still a good guy. Yeah. Do you still cheer for me? Right. We never got to see if the fans would have been okay with that. It would have been interesting because, you know, like, the thing about, we just quickly think about Goldust. Like, when we got pure Goldust, before it got watered down. Like 1996 Goldust? It, it, yeah. What a revolution. No, I'm not wrestling him, Goldust? This, <laughs> right. yeah, that, right. that this was a revolutionary character at right. the time. You know, I just want to point that out. He the hatred he would get from like grandmas, mm-hmm. like in the audience. And remember when he did that sexual oh, yeah. pose in front of that kid? Mm. Wow! Like that, he got some heat for that. Like the closest WWE came to pulling off something like that was with the Straight Edge Society, just to tie a bow. I love that. I love they the really I love found a real way. Heat. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, in a heat. in a scripted business. Yeah, I ate that CM Punk shit up. Another big departure that we've noticed on the previous podcast is Bobby Heenan is no longer one of the principal color commentators on the pay-per-view broadcast anymore. Nope. And, and, and even though he uh, he is a shadow of his former self uh, from WWF days, and I don't know why that is, uh, his presence is definitely, or the lack of his presence is definitely felt. So... That's that's the curious thing is like when we go back and watch classic WF pay per views like the quintessential commentary combination is him and Gorilla Monsoon for him being the Gold. heel commentator. I don't think at any point really him in WCW does he ever hit that even in the early days. And I think if you guys remember his DVD where he talks about he took the money and he was going to be closer to his that's why he to his daughter. Mm-hmm. Problem is like even he admits that it was never good. Never really that good. He, he kind of ne- yeah. He never felt <coughs> the way he felt in WWF, which you hear that a lot from WWF guys. Even Kevin Nash and Scott Hall, when they talk about uh, the, when Vince was o- almost going out of business, Kevin was like, "I didn't want Vince to go out of business. Right? I didn't want that at all. You know." And it's it's like you, know, the, you, know, you got these guys that are working for WCW that are contributing to putting Vince out of business, but they really don't want to. And that leads to the whole conspiracy theory that Vince sent them. Right, right. Which I love that theory. It's it's interesting. To, I to yeah. kill him from the inside. I wouldn't put it past Vince. No, he's the best businessman. <laughs> but I don't believe it. I don't think I. I yeah. Um, the thing about Heenan that's fascinating is that I one thing I always remember about him he was the quintessential Goldberg fan. He loved Goldberg. Yeah, he did. God, dumbass. That dumbass. I think he was the one who coined that. Yeah. Like, that was something I always remember attaching when I came back into wrestling. The first undefeated champion in the history of this sport. Like, yeah. His calls like, for Goldberg. He would become Jim Ross for Bill Goldberg matches. Really weird. Very interesting. He was never really fully. He would at times dip into the heel bag mm-hmm. every once in a but while. When it came to Goldberg. No. He was all invested. He, he was all- so, talking about our run of the podcast, what would you guys think of Heenan and his role on commentary? Go ahead. <laughs> you can't. I need to put some thoughts together. I, I miss, like we were talking about earlier, like even in the early days of the NWO and Nitro and stuff, like his comedic timing was on point. And then it just, it dwindles. And But I don't. I also don't think he has that great of a soundboard or anything to bounce off and work with. You know, all the times we joke, he goes, this is the greatest pay-per-view I've ever seen. That is funny. Like two matches in. 
two matches <laughs> in, he's saying that. Like, like, it's just either he felt that what he was commentating wasn't up to snuff or whatever was happening. He feel it's almost like he's the voice of the internet in the year 2000. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We were, that's now in 2015. That's really like ultimately. Smart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that's what's really funny about him in a way. And, um, you know, uh, the big, all right. So getting like to the point where why, why would Bobby Heenan be removed? Now, supposedly, and just browse around rumor. trying to, yeah, I mean, there's, there, you know, what substance there is of this. And this is, this is, Something I've seen that's put Dave Meltzer's credibility into question about things, strangely enough, which is weird. But people talk about Bobby Heenan being an alcoholic, drinking on the job, like being a habitual drinker on the job when it came to his WCW work. Now, never was evident in WWF. No, no, and no, I no, never, no. Like you just told me that like 20 minutes ago. That's yeah, the first I've heard of that. It's it's funny because there 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 are some clips that people have found where you know maybe it's questionable, you know, things of that nature. The thing that's interesting is Vince Russo, for all of you know his faults, which you know he gets put under the bus for quite a few a things. Bozo was a huge Bobby Heenan fan, loved Bobby Heenan, respected him a whole lot. Some people say to the point where he ignored the fact that it was pretty blatant that Bobby Heenan was drinking when it came to his commentary. Bobby Heenan added, um, even if he was drinking, I don't know, he added legitimacy to that commentary table. Supposedly with this new kind of administration that's in place at this point in time with Kevin Sullivan's booking committee, they were not big fans of what he was doing. They were not big fans of his behavior. Now It's like Jerry Lawler now. Right. It's like that. It, mm. Right. Yeah. yeah. He was great in his, in his uh, heyday. So it's not like he's gone from WCW, but the problem is he's like reduced like to doing like WCW Thunder... He's Worldwide. reduced to yeah. He's reduced that to should be Scott Hudson. He's reduced to things on on television, which you know is just it's it's sad. But you know, at the uh, at the same time, like, and we're going to shift this now into talking about new faces. Mark Madden is the guy who is clearly replacing him, as we saw on this show. Mark Madden's claim to fame is the coining of Spinneroonie. Right. He yeah. is the first person to say that. I'll give him that, and Booker T gives him credit for that. And I remember his calls. You know where that. he came from? Like, roughly where... I don't know anything. When well, comes... hold on. Did he do anything with college football? Well, I wasn't saying with wrestling. Like, I mean... Oh, like, like wrestling? Well, he wrote for the Torch. For, for PW. Well, wrestling yeah. Torch. Yeah. He wrote for it for a couple of years, oh. like 93, 94, and so like, that. eventually... Well, he has mentions in the Super Bowl podcast that he was around. I don't know what he was around, but he said, I was around for the Terry Funk, Ric Flair feud from 10, 15 years ago. Sure. Like, where were you? Yeah. I mean, he was there. I like, mean, just... Like, yeah. he, he wasn't in the company, though. He was writing for uh, Torch? Well, I th- he has a brief from the Torch, I think, like, in the early 90s. So that would, okay. pre- that's, that would that's predate that's it, but still, like, yeah. you know, it's... Um, the, the interesting thing about him is, like, when we first see him on that show... Comes across as, you know, for lack of a better term, a shock jock. Sure. Yeah, that's Very it. Howard Sterney. That, that's that's exactly what his role kind of seems to be. Is he's going to say shit to get your blood boiling? In 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 an interesting way, like it does have a Paul Heyman esque edge to it. Maybe but Heyman was good. Heyman's brilliant. Like WrestleMania like, seventeen commentary. Yeah. Heyman's commentary is brilliant because he has this, the the greatest, probably one of the greatest minds for the business. I'd say um, next to Vince McMahon. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. It's because Vince, as much as he's just fucked up, Vince is so smart. And but Paul Heyman, he, he I'll, I'll say this: no one has a better knack for talent than Paul Heyman. Even to this day, he's never lost it. No, I, no, I, no. I, 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 you know, big Paul overall, Heyman. like thinking about like all right. 
we just came out of Super Bowl. What was your first, like, uh, if you had to kind of grade Mark Madden's performance in the Bobby Heenan role, what did you think? Anytime the camera was on the whole commentary table and Mark Madden wasn't talking, he was mugging. He was, like, doing hand signals and doing shit like this while Tanae was talking or something. Yep. It was very distracting. It was very upstaging, which they teach you in, you know, theater or any kind of live performance. You just don't do. Right. And, and Bobby Heenan would do it every now and then, but this was consistent. You sure. know? It was, it was, it was awful. I, it reminded me why I never liked him in the first place, other than the fact that, and he wasn't wearing it tonight, or, sorry, at Super Brawl, but his weird, like, Ace Ventura jacket that he used to wear. Right? Yeah. It was, like, just every color of the goddamn rainbow. I, I hated his loud clothes. <clears throat> you guys, I never listened to him on WCW.com, like some of the stuff he was no, doing. Never, on there. No, no. But I, I, I he was very internet -y. I mean, like, compared to his, his one-liner zing, shock, shock, a little bit of comment, here comes again. It's, it's very internet. Like, that's just a quick burst. To go in with Tanay and Shivani's play-by-play and analysis... Where he's just kind of throwing crap in. Oh, I'm friends with. I grew up in the same neighborhood as Booker T and Stevie Ray. Bullshit, you know, like just just idiotic stuff. I I, I did. yeah he did say that. <laughs> yeah, he did. That's stupid. I, which I love. They call him. I was like, Harlem's in Pittsburgh. Yeah, uh -huh. <laughs> you're so from like, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Houston, Harlem's in Pittsburgh. So. I do enjoy the fact that he completely takes, like, whereas Bobby was not really the heel announcer anymore, Mark Madden's like, I will be more than happy to fill that role. Sure. And, and, like, and it works to create that dynamic that is just kind of quintessential wrestling. You have to have it. You JBL have to have does it. it. But the thing, that, the thing that Heenan would do, he was, like, almost psychological in the way he would do it. Like, it was very intelligent. Sure. That uh, would make you think about things. Jesse Ventura, I think, might have been the best at it. Um... Mark Madden just says shit. He well, just says these blatant things like, and, well, look at that bimbo. Well, let's look at the that's, pattern. That's 90s, though. This is, that's a very 90s way to assess. Like, Bobby Heenan and um, when we talk about Jesse Ventura, those are guys that really, like, are, are 80s. Even going further back in terms of just wrestling <coughs> talking, mm -hmm. where psychology was principal and things of that nature, where 90s, like, just 90s. Late 90s. Late, and late 90s culture, subculture, pop culture was all surrounded around just. What's a sound like? Give me a sound like. It was the bam, beginning bam, bam. of the attention deficit disorder yeah. wrestling. Right. But also, Heenan, Ventura, Mr. Perfect, oh, Waller. Perfect, thank you. Every heel, comment, macho commentators were heel wrestlers or personalities before that. So they understood so you, it being did Not just they only stood that, but you as an audience member had a connection with them and going, oh, that dastard. Yeah. You know, How could he think that? I remember being a kid being so angry with Bobby Heenan because he'd like, he would miss stuff that, that heels would do yeah. that were bad. And like, how could he miss that? Like, I want Gorilla to get on his yeah. ass for that. But of course, because they were bad guys. You're right. Like, you know, and this it's were, all up here. Whereas <laughs> Mark Madden is, an, is a douche just because we, yeah. we've never seen him do a vignette with with George Animal Steel getting synced up to some kind of Frankenstein thing and you know over cartoony or wearing the flamboyant stuff and not have time to breathe while fighting the Predator in the jungle like Ventura. This guy just comes off the, the WCW.com blasting, trying to blast jokes out. Yeah. It's automatic. Looking Who the fuck are you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So just kind of... Uh, I, I'm not... I didn't cringe when I heard him, and I know... I, I'm waiting to see. I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop. It gets worse. That's what I'm waiting mm -hmm. for. So I'd say at this point, it's, I don't think it's horrible. It's tolerable. 
you know. Better than Matt Stryker. Oh. We'll see what happens with it. A um, couple quick ones here. Oh, what about the demon? Well, we're we, coming into that. We get to the, I was going to hit a couple quick ones first since we, I know we've had a couple long ones here to start off with. Sure. Ernest Miller, the cat. We got to see him. About time. It's like, uh, um, it's like Norman Smiley. It's like you, we, you've got this WCW guy who feels like he's a WWF guy. And that there's a character that's very entertaining. It seems like it's just made to kind of fill time in a way. And which doesn't explain to me why Ernest Miller didn't work out in WWE so well, but it's 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 a character, and it's it's a comedic character. Mm-hmm. So and that's why it feels like WWE to me, uh, or their attempt at it, a successful attempt. I mean, do you remember Catbo? Yeah, I love Catbo. I loved Catbo. I loved the long version. You got the long version. I, know, I didn't on, see that. It, they, they did it on Nitro, and it was a short one. Then the Saturday syndicated recap show where you get like two fresh matches and then an hour of recap. There was a 20-minute Catbo segment. <gasps> it was like watching the thing. I was into it. Oh, I God. wanted to buy Catbo and call my mama. Because Sonny Ono was, I mean, like the, the whole Ono. package. Mm-hmm. Ernest Miller coming from being a Glacier sidekick yeah. to the role. He was like that. Steve Blackman. Really? He was Steve Blackman. Glacier was getting his ass kicked by Mortis and Rath. This fan jumps into the ring and starts ninja kicking motherfuckers. And it was Miller? Ernest Miller. And so that's where he evolved from. Don't you love wrestlers that make that their debut like that, like yeah. Santino? Or, yeah. It's know, okay, get in the ring, the but if you really do, and you're not supposed to be here. We're gonna hurt you. It, what's what's just sad at this point in the podcast is that we've had really now we've got three black guys on the podcast, one of which is Norman Smiley and Ernest Miller, who are basically you know uh, the same. They're the same type of dude. They just are yeah. pan- pandering to the crowd. That's all they can do is just some good comedy bits. But Norman can go. Nor- yeah. See, that's the thing, though. But it, up until this match, we've only seen him in some shitty hardcore matches that's where true. he doesn't get to prove he can go. Then we have Booker T, who's just essentially just just a murdered, watered down mid card guy mm-hmm. who hasn't gone anywhere. So, it, and this is kind of uh, sadly this. So, it, I don't think this really progress. It doesn't progress well really from here in terms of professional wrestling. Well, but- and this is uh, WCW also. This was like. They, they had one of the first progressive things in wrestling by giving the world title to a black guy. That's Bill Watts. I'll give... That's yeah, a Bill Ron Watts Simmons. move. Yep. Yeah. WWF still hasn't done that. Right. Rock doesn't count. It's, it's, they still haven't done it. Um, that's why, like, as much as I, I love Ernest Miller, and but to me it's like... He's, if, yeah, you're so over little, with the crowd, but... A little the, bit of him goes a long way. It does. Yeah. Same thing with Norman. Yeah. You know, it's... it's a, I, I'm glad we're seeing, and I'm glad we're going to be getting him more in that kind of authority role because mm-hmm. I'm going to be interested to revisit this going down in the podcast. It'll be very interesting to see. But um, the James Brown bit was, it was all right. You know, it was, it was too right. long. It was, it was too it was, long. It was way we should have just brought him out immediately. Yeah, just should have gone. But um, in that same vein, the Maestro, right? We finally yeah. got to see the Maestro. Funny stuff about we, we. What we joke about on the on the podcast was that he looks a little familiar, doesn't he? Okay, go look at a picture of Gorgeous George. It's the same fucking dude. Why? Let's go to the book here. That the WCW. Thanks in the storyline of Roddy Piper, Randy Savage finally returned to the promotion, and like Scott Steiner, he came back so muscular it looked as though he'd been pumped full of air at a service station. <laughs> <laughs> he brought with him a new girlfriend, Stephanie Bellers, a young blonde stripper who had been dubbed Gorgeous George. The backstory there is that Rob Kellum, <laughs> an undercard worker known as the Maestro, had purchased the rights to the name from the family of George Wagner, who had used it during his run as the biggest star of the early days of televised wrestling. The that first being, like entertainer in wrestling. That's right. Yeah. 
the Gorgeous, the original Gorgeous George. Then WCW bought the rights when they signed Savage's brother, Lanny Poffo, formerly the genius in the what WWF. What did he do in WCW? Who was planning on going on as Gorgeous George. It would turn out, however, that Poffo would never once appear on WCW TV, so they gave the moniker to Bellers instead. So it's funny. They end up bringing the maestro in. Oh, I'm going to be the gorgeous. No, no, you're not gorgeous, George. Savage's brothers. Oh, Savage's going to be his girlfriend's gorgeous, George. Mm-hmm. You're uh, you're the maestro, which is surprising. The guy's still wrestling today as really? the Stro. The Stro? The yeah. Stro. Mm. Yep. That's right. Where is he wrestling? North Carolina, as a matter of fact. Is not he up too... there with the Hardys? And... I'm not sure exactly the area right off the top of my head. Oh, but the Barbarians. He looked old in, in the fact. He just he looked, does. It didn't look, oh, he looked bloated. Yeah. yeah, like he he looked like. Well, that's a why party he faints guy. later. The funny thing is, like, there's some interesting, like, the, he had some interesting bits. Like, cl- the only time this guy ever got to really work, from what I've seen thus far, is on the lower card shows, mm-hmm. like the Saturday Night Main Event or even the Worldwise or things of that and nature. It's weird because it's an interesting character. Like, well, you, you could do something with this. The how funny is backstage, like, you have this guy do a promo, and then all of a sudden it ends where you hear this piano music, and the camera moves over, and there's the maestro with this piano. Yeah. It's hilarious. Like, it's really funny. It's the if Chavo you, Amway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he had a. Someone we haven't mentioned that was new had a good feud with this guy, but they were both heels. And they were both, it was never elevated to a pay-per-view. Right. That's the All bummer of TV. it. So that was what was funny. It was like, you almost see like, this is a guy who had the, a guy who had the right, never worked out. That's too bad. It is, like in a way, it really is. Although I wouldn't want to see another wrestler take Gorgeous George's name. I just... And I mean, what's funny is nobody complains about Nature Boy when the fact Buddy is... Rogers? Yeah, Ooh. that's what's very interesting. Sure. But that, Ric Flair made it Really did make it Rick his Flair own. Make it his own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. Another one. Prince Ikea, the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea. Quick, this is there, there's not much. We covered pretty much majority of this on Super Brawl. So, um, were you guys big fans of like first Prince Ikea, the guy, the cruiserweight, just like, not very talkative. Jericho. Pretty good matches too. Yeah. yeah, they were okay. I remember his he was I TV mean, champ for a minute. The not wearing shoes. Yeah. Uh, the tiniest Samoan guy I've ever seen. Didn't he have a weird hairstyle? He had like the he had like the rock uh, coke uh, Rocky Maivia the Rocky Maivia perm top. Yeah, that's what he had. Yeah, seeing him now, like again, we've seen we've seen um, we've seen Prince Ikea come on the show. We've seen him on the you know the build up to a lot of these pay-per-views, but never being on it. Doing these ridiculous vignettes where he's recording in the studio, just dumb, pretentious crap. But it's supposed to build heat, obviously. That's the job of it. So that when he finally, we do see him on a pay-per-view in a match like it does. Now he's a champ even more so. But um, to be honest, like it seems like such a regression from the guy that was wrestling Jericho because his wrestling seems worse. Yeah. It seems substantially worse in this yeah. character. <coughs> he seems over-encumbered he's, um, by the gimmick. Like, yeah. Because he's got to wear the, the outfits the and he's got to... Be all slow and not the way he was. Yeah, that all lies in the gimmick. So let's get to the fun one. Like, the one we've kind of been waiting for. We want to talk about the kiss. The kiss demon. Boom, boom. All right, so let's go back to what we first thought of as a kid. Like, when we were a little bit younger and we saw this come on, like, kiss is going to perform a Monday Nitro. Awesome, right? And they've got a wrestler? What did you guys think of that when it first came out? Did you think anything at the time? enamored. Because this was... I was 18. Or, or I was between 18 and 20 whenever. I don't remember when the demon showed up specifically time-wise. But I remember kind of being over Kiss at that point. Yeah. But, and then seeing the, it was still, it was a grand entrance for somebody. I mean, like, this is somebody that, you, first of all, you better have one hell of a talented person playing this role. Sure. And you better be behind it. Yeah, I don't want to see this just for a month. Yeah. Right. And then, 
the intro, there it goes. God of Thunders, lip sung by Kiss. If that really was Kiss. Who knows? Uh, my thing. Because um, I tuned into Nitro, I remember, to see Kiss. I did. Uh, even though I, I thought it was desperate. I thought it was very desperate. Because two years or a year and a half prior, uh, WWF, when, when they were at their hottest, like on Monday Night Raw, they had Motley Crue. Motley Crue had just reunited, and they came out and did, uh, I don't know, Bitter Pill and Girls, 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 and it was awesome, and it was so cool. That's not long after Test, right? Because Test was a uh, that, he build. Was, he was the uh, bodyguard yeah. that was, yeah. for Motley yeah. Crue, yeah. and <coughs> DX came out and sang Girls, Girls, Girls with Motley Crue. Uh, it just worked, and the yeah. crowd was really into it, so then WCW responds with, let's, let's get Kiss. Which, to and their I credit... Was, Hot band because they'd come back. Well, yeah, what Psycho year Circus was this? It just popped out. Psycho. Well, hold on. What year was this that the, the Kiss performed? Ninety nine. Ninety nine. Okay. Their Psycho Circus came out in ninety six, and they had just done the reunion tour in like ninety six, ninety seven with like Skid Row without Sebastian Bach opening and shit. Um, Detroit Rock City, the movie had come well, out. Detroit Rock City had just come out, which wasn't a hit, but it's kind of a cult classic now on video. Um, Ace Frehley's not in the band anymore. Like, Motley Crue had all four original members. You don't have Ace Freely. He was the reason why a lot of people liked Kiss in the first place. You do have Peter Chris. Uh, it, it, the way that the... I remember the production quality of the way they shot it looked very amateur. Like, oh. it was like a stagnant camera. Mm -hmm. like Most Motley Crue had, like, WWF guys static with, cam, yeah. like going all over, like Vince Neil and Tommy Lee. Well, I mean, most WCW things looked amateurish. They yeah, always, sure. Always it looked like a B-League. Yeah. It always looked like a B-League. Always, always the audio always sounded bad. Sure. Even when they were doing better than WWF, WWF still put out the money, like like for their shows, right. which WCW never did. Because Vince always said like that was one of his business philosophies. That one of the reasons why all the territories went out of business that he actually didn't buy was because all the money that Vince would make, he would put back into the business. He said all these territories didn't do that. Right. Yeah. So yeah, very smart. WC Kiss just uh, not that I was over Kiss. I've I like Kiss. I've seen him in concert. I like him. I, I was never a huge fan. Uh, I, I wasn't too enamored with this. I was like, because I, I think Motley Crue is a way better band. So let's, let's talk the business side. So you brought it up, the business side, like investing cool. back into it, right? This was sure. an idea to try and we're going to spend this money, we're going to invest it back in. This was an Eric Bischoff idea. That's where this spawns from. This idea was to, we're going to debut a Kiss-themed wrestler to coincide with Kiss performing on Nitro. What an idea this is It's you told me. Yeah. So... They end up, the deal that he works out with Greed Simmons, Gene Simmons himself, <laughs> uh, was for $500,000, was how much they were going to pay Kiss to perform. Wow. God, what is wrong with them? It drew... That is 20 James Browns. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> God damn. So... What did that draw? Like, we all mentioned, we watched, like, oh, wow. So everybody must have I was curious. Him. Yeah. 2.13 was the quarter hour rating. Worth it! <laughs> so as again, as we said, part of the agreement, WCW is required to use the Demon in a certain number of main event matches. SNL only offered the Beatles $4,000. <laughs> <laughs> Let's mention, who was originally the Kiss Demon in those openings? Wow, I forgot all about that, It's dude. Brian Adams. Yeah, it's Crush. Crush. Oh, it is, isn't it? it? Is. Yeah. I remember him being big. Demolition Crush. So... When Crush, like, it didn't take long before they realized that I don't think Crush was necessarily the guy who was really for it because he ended up kind of rejecting it, you know. Well, with plus, the, you, I think you need to give it to a new guy. Yeah. Brian Adams is right. on his way out the door at that point. Right. So Dale Torberg was given this, a guy who had been kind of, 
I'm not going to say hot, but he was gaining some steam as the character MVP, like a baseball-themed wrestler. Oh, not Montel Bontempo. No, 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 no. I don't remember no, no, no. his MVP at all. No. So they they put it on Torberg, and then um, he was actually... It was funny. Was he was actually... Ma- um, at that point, I think he was managed by Asia, who we've seen on the podcast in the form of the yeah. revolution. Asia, that's my dad. So... As we said, Hi, part, of Hi, the, part of the agreement was that the Demon would be a part of main event matches. Main event matches. But what ended up happening, of course, was Eric Bischoff gets removed. He's removed, so that kind of gets tucked away. Well, then, of course, he gets brought back because Greed Simmons probably doesn't let anything die. No, hell no. Uh-oh. WCW then, like, the... Um, in order to fulfill kind of this contractual obligation, that's why they create these quote-unquote special main event matches. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, we'll call because it Because it's got Kiss. Because kiss it's character. got the, got the character now, in it. anytime the demon shows up on television, anytime, do they have to pay Kiss? Because he's got the demon makeup on. Right, right. I don't think that... I think they had... Like, enough, I'm amazed he's even on the WWE I think a part, Network. I think a part of, the, part of the contract was a certain number of events. That's why I don't think we're going to see him for very much longer is because they only were going to give a certain number of I, events well, added. He, he at some point becomes a minion of Vampira. Right. Yeah. He does. He does. So the thing that was, um, there was an ultimate goal at some point that they were going to have multiple Kiss incarnation characters form a stable within WCW, which would have been really fascinating to see. You know, all these different I guys. like it. An ace guy. We got the gene guy here, the demon. the psycho circus. Yeah. It would have been perfect. Easy. Really would have been. So, unfortunately, though, WCW, like, once once the Bischoff thing kind of went downhill, in some ways this is viewed as we're going to stick it to Bischoff by just making this guy job all the time and just kind of be a useless mid-card wrestler. Ugh. What was amazing is like he... Gene Simmons bass playing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Have you ever heard his cover of... of Prodigy's Firestarter? I have. No. It's horrible. No, I never. I, although I do love God of Thunder. That's one of my favorite Kiss songs. <sighs> but yeah, I think, um, as you were saying, yeah, he does, simply known as just the demon. They dropped, they dropped the Kiss part. He was placed in a stable of Vampiro and the Insane Clown Posse. Yeah. Called the Dark Car- Carnival. Oh. Dark I- Carnival. Almost psycho circus. So that's, that's it. A Left for Dead campaign. So, so first of all, you you go from not from having the fake misfits around you to having insane clown posse around you. And they had, I guess, they'd already gone through the WWF run with the um, the oddities. Yeah, well, that was like that's right. early. And for yeah. some reason, that was so over. <laughs> yes, it was. Well, I think it's because they the, they the started wearing the South Park shirts, the mm-hmm. South Park shirts, and the crowd participation. And who was Golga? John Tenta, yeah, the earthquake, right. earthquake, and avalanche, and the shark, the shark. Oh, and, uh, oh no way, the shark boy. And I think there's another one, but any last final thoughts? A lot of things coming tonight. Anything you've been ex- like that you liked that you saw that was new that came in? We obviously we can talk about what we are disappointed is gone. Yeah, <laughs> I figured it was a rhetorical question. Well, we, I mean, come oh. on, there was the appearance of Big Al, Big Al oh, big, Green, oh Big Gay Al Green, yeah. Um, I was glad that it was over. Uh, at the end, it was it was a, it was a trudge to get through that. So what, we've got what one more Russo-less paper. That's right. That's right. Coming up next will be Uncensored 2000, which is regarded as probably the lowest point. No way. 
And it's funny. It's like sold out. Regarded as I, the lowest. Point. Well, like I think, like actually, statistically, mm-hmm. like when you look at um, where money spent, money earned, money came back, and oh, pirates, you're just talking about financial yeah. aspects. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think we are going to get Flair and Hogan together Again? in a program Ooh. of some kind. So another retirement match. I hope. Well, we know a that doesn't stick. <laughs> It's the you get the iron lung at the home match. I retire. <laughs> but to bring it home, you know, once again, guys, thanks for downloading the show and subscribing on the iTunes and viewing us through the OSW Review Podcast Network through PileDriverWrestling.net. We are on Twitter at New Blood Pod. I'm at William Rankin83. I'm at the Jason Kiesler. Charlie Stabile at CM underscore stabs. And that's the show for this week. So next time you're going to hear from us, it's going to be Uncensored 2000. It's unsanctioned. It'll be an unsanctioned podcast. Fuck. WCW's answer to extreme rules. Here it comes. It's coming at you (laughs) real soon. It's going to be just as good. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. I come from a highly educated university, so when I come out and speak these white trash, I got to dumb myself down. I got to dumb myself down. Dumb myself down. Oh, you fucking suck. Oh, you fucking suck. Sit down, white trash. I came here to kick somebody's ass. So all you white trash right now, sit down, get on your knees, and pay homage to the next world champion. Bitch, I'm the greatest son of a bitch you ever had. Shut up. See, I, I control the landscape, bitch. Well, see, I come from a highly educated university. That's why I got a college kid. That's why I was an All-American in Michigan. But at far at, at mayhem, I'm going to give you, bitch, at mayhem, you're, you know, they say all men are created equal, because you are no match for the man with the largest arms in the world, bitch. But then you take my 75% chance of winning. And I'm going to look at the whole world, and I'm going to say Vinny, Vinny, Bucci. Who? Bitch. Well, see, I come from a highly educated university, and they add 66 and two-thirds percent. So when I come out and speak these white trash, I got to dumb myself down. Bitch. Your chances of winning drastically go down. See, throughout my career, I've wrestled a lot of countries. Bitch. See, we as a country, we didn't start this thing. Terrorists started this. Terrorism started this. And they know that they don't have to wait for the Earth to rotate on a 47-degree axis so the stars can touch the sky and create an equal axis so they can see the Big Dipper. No, no, no. My eyes on you. One's eyes on them, one's on you. Bitch. Terrorism started this, and Iraq has been known to harbor, finance, support, and even train terrorism. They started it. Terrorism started Not us. No, shut up, man. You are a redneck. You are a redneck. Get my bags. Get my bags, bitch. So you, the Dixie Chicks, all those Hollywood numb nuts. Well, see, I come 
from a highly educated university. So when I come out and speak to this white trash, I got to dumb myself down. Not looking at you and your fat You're going to be taking sprinters out of your fat asses all night long because you got some fat asses. But you don't know me, and you don't know what I'm capable of, bitch. Everybody knows, wants to know where I've been. Well, see, I come from a highly educated university, so when I come out and speak to these white trash, I gotta dumb myself down. You can get my room number if you want, baby. You want to feel like what you be a real man? Huh? You want to kiss that? Kiss that, baby. Bitch. tonight when you qualifying match you didn't scream boom shakalaka you didn't howl at the moon bitch tonight i'm laying down the gauntlet comes through whether i'm in the ring or out of the ring see where i have my freaks horizontal they understand size big bubble pop the hookup and the next heavyweight championship of the world see then on your own you can be the x division title bitch well see i come from a highly educated university, so when I come out and speak to these white trash, I gotta dumb myself down. Fuck off! Shut up! Just ask my bitch. You see that my victory and all against all odds. I'm gonna whisper in your ear. Size does matter, bitch. We got a match tonight against Black Machismo and Mahatma Gambi Bagambi, whatever his name is, bitch. That means I can command. And demand an ex-divided vision title shot. See, I, I control the landscape, bitch. Anybody that wants to come out here and get your ass hit, come out here right now.